There's a story of two elderly men who were childhood friends, but they hadn't seen each other in about 30 years. And then one day they run into each other on the street and they're delighted to recognize one another. And one of them lives in the neighborhood, so he invites the other one into his home. And they happily begin talking and catching up, getting lost in their stories and jokes as the day goes on. And the guest finally notices that it's become quite dark outside, and so he asks his friend if he could look at his watch and tell him what time it is. I, I don't have a watch, she says. So, so look at the clock, just tell me what time it is. His friend smiles and says, I don't have a clock either. So the guest is puzzled and he asks, I don't understand. You don't have a watch, you don't have a clock. So how do you tell time? So the host, he smiles and proudly says, I use a trumpet. A trumpet? How can you tell time with a trumpet? I'll show you. So the host picks up his trumpet, he opens the window, and he blows a long and deafening blast. And a few seconds later, his neighbor yells out, It's three o'clock in the morning, and you're playing the trumpet? <laughs> Man turns to his friend and announces, It's three o'clock in the morning. The chauffeur is Hashem's trumpet. It's Hashem's way of begging us to wake up from our slumber. When we hear it, we have to remind ourselves what time it is. It's L. It's time to question, to think, to redirect. Often though, life has a way of running on autopilot, subject only to the flow of momentum. When things are going well, they tend to flow forward, steadily picking up speed. But when things fall apart, they tend to continue downhill as well, refusing to ease up. For example, when you make the healthy eating choice, this can serve as an inspiration and lead us to, to wake up early the next morning and exercise. The great feeling that comes from making a great decision leads you to another great decision. And that cycle continues. The energy and confidence from this positive momentum, it leads to an increased surge of confidence leading to another great decision, perhaps a push forward in your career or a positive development in your relationships or a focus on the next step of your spiritual growth and development. But this is the beauty of momentum. However, this same momentum can cause our undoing as well. Maybe it starts with a small slip up in our diet when you promised yourself you would do better. And now you feel weak, maybe foolish. You begin muttering self-degrading jabs underneath your breath. Your confidence may take a major hit. You may think of yourself as a failure or a loser. And you may look in the mirror and say, how could you? Why did you do this again and again and again? And the next morning you might hit snooze, making yourself feel even worse and even weaker, even more of a failure. And next, you may sabotage your relationship, maybe miss a meeting or let your growth and spirituality slide. And of course, this all makes you feel even worse. So you end up breaking your diet again, making yourself feel even worse. And yet it, it's an endless, deadly cycle of momentum. One thing leads to another, creating a cataclysmic landslide towards complete and utter breakdown. 
And yes, this picture is extreme, but I'm sure we can all relate. Because sometimes things seem to fall apart in our lives and we struggle to pick up the pieces. And when we start that downhill slide, how do we stop the momentum? How do we pick ourselves up? To understand this, we need to develop an important theme connected to both this week's Parsha, Parsha Surah and the month of El as a whole. Parsha Surah begins with the principle of choice, of free will. Hashem presents us with the choice between blessings and curses, between good and bad. And in a few Parshias from now, the Torah says, Choose life, choose good. And this is the source used by most commentaries for the principle of free will, the power of choice, the fact that we get to choose our reality. And the month of El is deeply tied to the theme of teshuva, usually translated as repentance. And the Rambam in Hilchus Teshuva includes the concept of free will. In the fifth parak, in chapter 5, he includes the concept of free will within the laws of teshuva. And this seems both strange and unnecessary. The necessity and nature of free will appears more philosophical than legal and halachic. So why does the Rambam include the, so to speak, discussion or halachos of free will in his work of halachic codes? It seems to be more the philosophical notion of free will. So what is this doing in his work of halachic codes? So to understand this, we have to delve into the true nature of teshuva. Because while teshuva is often translated as repentance, its literal meaning is return, as in the word shuv, return. The goal of teshuva is not only to free ourselves of punishment and responsibility from our past, it's about self-transformation, returning to a higher and better version of ourselves. We don't only wish to escape, we wish to ascend. And it's with this premise that the Rambam describes the three-step process of teshuva. The first step of teshuva is recognizing that there is a problem to fix, that a mistake has occurred, because it's impossible to solve a problem without first admitting that the problem exists. It's, it's all too easy to simply push forward in life, ignoring our inner and outer struggles. You know, a lot of people... They have things going for them, and they keep on just getting better at what they're good at, or even better at what they're great at, but they let everything else slip away. And what happens is that when these things can start falling apart, it results in the downwards cascade described above. It just keeps on getting worse, but only by acknowledging the problem can we stop the downward momentum and actually solve it. And this leads to the second step of tshuva, which is not only to recognize that the problem exists, but to regret the mistake, to try to actually feel a sense of remorse. Because often we know a problem exists, but we don't feel ashamed. We don't, we don't feel hurt or, bo- or even bothered by it. And without internal regret or hurt, we won't be motivated enough to take the actionable steps required to make actual change. When we yearn for the truth and allow ourselves to powerfully feel the inner contradiction between how we could be living and how we currently are living, we can generate the emotional response necessary to genuinely regret any past mistakes. And this leads to number three, which is we have to then commit, commit fully 
to an improved and ideal future, one in which this mistake will not be repeated. In other words, you have to commit to strive towards a greater version of ourselves, whereby if given the chance to repeat this mistake, we wouldn't give in to temptation, we would overcome the challenge, which is what the Rambam says, that real teshuva, teshuva gemura, is when you're put in the exact same situation, you wouldn't do it again. And of course, you're never going to be put in the exact same situation because that's impossible. But it's if you would have been put in the same situation, you would no longer do it. That you are a changed person, you are someone else. And there is one principle that is absolutely fundamental in order for this process of teshuva to exist. Free will. The only way that you can genuinely change, transform, and evolve is with the unique capacity to assert your inner will and create a new reality within yourself. And this requires a complete recreation of self within your inner world. Because yes, maybe yesterday you were one type of person who did this, but today a new decision is being formed. A new reality is being created. A new form was conceived within your inner world. And this requires a complete assertion of willpower, overcoming of past and perhaps even current self, and a breakdown and reformation of inner drive and character. This means giving up who you are for who you want to be. Sacrificing what you think you want for what you truly want. It means overcoming the emotional and overwhelming pull of current desire and generating a new want within your very core. And this is why the Rambam places his seemingly philosophical discussion of the concept of free will within the halachos of teshuva. It's because free will is the very root and foundation of Hilchos teshuva. Without free will, you can never change. You'd never be able to become something else, someone new, someone better. And strikingly, Rav Eliyahu Dessler, he explains that many people, they never experience a true expression and manifestation of free will because it's objectively difficult to do this. It's for this reason that many people don't change. Change is hard uncomfortable or requires sacrifice getting out of your comfort zone and one needs to believe so strongly in their new future in their better future in order to give up their current lifestyle because the only way is if you push with all your might and express a full force of inner will because when you do that you come in touch with the sublime a taste of truth and experience of destiny and a glimpse of your true self. However, this understanding of teshuva, that of return, has an even deeper layer to it. After all, if teshuva is an act of return, who are we returning to? What are we returning to? The Gemara discusses a very enigmatic tale describing the initial stage of our formation. The Gemara explains that when you were just a fetus, you were in a perfected and transcendent state of being. While in utero, a malach, an angel, taught you kol ha-Torah kula, all of the Torah, and you understood all of reality with a crystal clear lens. 
However, the Gemara continues with an anticlimactic punch, literally, because just before you were born, the Malach struck you on the mouth, causing you to forget everything you learned. And two obvious questions arise. First of all, why does the Malach make you forget everything you've learned? But more importantly, if he's going to cause you to forget it, why even teach it to you in the first place? So changing the way we view the human mind, Vilna Gaon answers as follows. He says, when you learned all of Torah, it doesn't mean you were learning Chumash and Rashi. Something much more than that. It means that you were learning your Torah. You were being shown your unique purpose in the world and how your unique role fits into the larger scheme of the human story as a whole. You were being given a taste of your own perfection, of what you could, should, and hopefully will become. But most importantly, you didn't lose it. You just lost access to it. And instead of it disappearing completely, this state of self became buried deep within your subconscious. And the reason is as follows. What you received in the womb wasn't real. It was merely a gift, something unearned, undeserved. And the goal of life is to come into this world and rebuild all that you once were in the womb. However, this time, it's going to be real since you've built it yourself. In essence, your job in this world is not to create yourself, but rather to recreate yourself, to re-attain your original state of perfection as you were shown by the Malach. And this time, however, it has to be done through free will, by choosing to become great. Only by overcoming challenge and difficulty and asserting your willpower can you fulfill your true potential. In essence, our entire life is a story of Teshuvah, returning to our original, higher, and true self. And this theme is the mystical root of creation itself. All of existence is meant to return to its original, true, higher form. When Adam was created, his mission was to return to his root and source, Hashem himself. And when Adam sinned, all of existence fell. Our goal is to return the world to its higher form, fixing a broken world. Our goal is to return to our individual higher selves, to our collective higher selves as a nation, as Am Yisrael, as Kla Yisrael, and then to our absolute root self, Hashem himself. And these are really the three stages of Elul, the three stages of going to Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, where we, we go back to who we really are as an individual. And then we go back to who we are as a collective whole, and then we go back to our Melech, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. That is the ultimate destination. And we can now return to our original question regarding how one can stop the downwards momentum of failure and bad decisions. Because the answer is simple self-evident and yet the most difficult truth to swallow it's it's a single word decide decide just decide choice is the most powerful tool hashem equipped us with the power of choice with the power of choice you can accomplish anything but most important for our discussion the power of choice is the essential tool needed to stop any downwards momentum in life when life begins to fall apart and the bad decisions start piling up, we have to learn to cut it off before it expands, before it destroys us. The key is making the decision, asserting your willpower, your inner will, and focusing the full force of your will towards cutting off that momentum. 
if you can cut off the momentum of bad decisions, of a lifestyle that is draining the life out of you, you can stop it from spreading. And then the virus will wither and die. Because with nowhere to spread, it's like a flame without oxygen. It extinguishes, it disappears. And it all starts with a single decision to turn the tide, to begin building that positive momentum, to start climbing uphill, to start heading towards your ultimate destination, your higher and true self. If you can take that first step and push towards your greatness, your life will suddenly begin riding that new wave. That is the power of choice. That is the power of momentum. And the single most important psychological factor involved in this decision is the response to failure. Because very often when we fail, we become convinced that we are a failure. We integrate past experience into our present identity. We believe that by making a mistake, we become the mistake. We lose faith in ourselves, our hopes, and our values. And as a result, we begin that downwards cascade, that downhill momentum. But if we can simply disconnect failure from identity, everything will change. Because we all fail. We all give in to temptation. We all have regrets. But failing does not make you a failure. It makes you human. It makes you a work in progress, a learner, a becomer. If we would approach our failures as learning opportunities, as wake-up calls, we could begin to use our failures as means of improvement and growth instead of debilitating and crippling obstacles. When we make a bad decision, we can't get depressed. Regret and remorse are essential but we have to do it in a healthy, balanced, and positive way. Because when we slip up, when we take a step backwards, fall down a notch, we have to immediately stop the downwards momentum. We have to pick ourselves up, learn from our mistakes, and continue our uphill, upwards climb. Because this is the character of one who has a growth mentality, who does not get crushed by life, but learns from it instead. And it's therefore no surprise that the Torah is replete with examples of the ultimate significance of will and the power of decision. One opinion in the Gemara is that man was created in Nisan, which then begs the question, why do we celebrate Rosh Hashanah in Tishrei? So Toso suggests that while Hashem may have created the world in Nisan, his decision to do so took place six months earlier on the first of Tishrei. And the Gemara in Kedushin, on Daf Mem Tesem Abayis 49b, notes that if a man marries a woman on condition that he is a tzaddik, we consider the marriage as halachically binding even if he's wicked. And the Gemara explains that perhaps he had decided at that very moment to do teshuva. Here, hooray teshuva. And that would be enough to validate his statement. And because of this possibility, we have to view his marriage as possibly binding. And this example, once again, displays the spiritual and halachic significance of a decision. And the last example is that if one is outside a city on Shabbos, he's only allowed to walk 2,000 amos from where he's located from the moment Shabbos begins. 
And the mission in Erevan also notes that if one is traveling on Friday afternoon with Shabbos approaching, he can point into the distance and see that he wants to be at that place. And then his 2,000 Amas will begin from there. In other words, Halacha recognizes one to be in the place where one wants to be, where one decides to be. And this is the root of Teshuvah. Teshuvah is about re-engineering our will, recreating our desire, rewiring our wants. It's about the decision to be better, to be great, to become our best and true self. As the Ramchal explains in Mesila Sisharim, if you can change what you want, Akira's Haratzon, you can change who you are. If you can make a new decision, you can create a new reality for yourself. So when the chauffeur blows this year, let's truly wake up. And may we all be inspired to fully utilize this Elul, to embark on a journey of genuine teshuva, and to continue the process of becoming our true and higher selves.